Hello, grave diggers. Welcome back to the Buried Sisters. I am your host, Irene, and I have with me my sister, Kiki. Hey, everyone. And our producer, Mr. Lance. Hello. Today, we're going to talk about the Pelly family murders, and we'll get into it right away. So the story takes place on a Sunday morning in April of 1989 in Lakeville, Indiana, and basically... All these church members show up for Sunday service, and they have gathered around the church, but they cannot locate the reverend, which is very, very unusual for the reverend and his family. They were pretty devoted and never missed church for anything. And this was like, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't super early in the morning before church started. This was obviously the time church should be starting. Reverend's yeah, yeah. This there. is around nine o'clock. Okay. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, so they they were supposed to be there already. The church was supposed to be opened up for everyone, but it was kind of locked and right, unusual. So, yeah, very unusual. Um, the first thought that people had when they realized this was going on was that maybe the reverend was trying to make some sort of point because in the past he had showed up to church wearing kind of like a sloppy shirt and jeans, and rather than go up to the front. To give the service, he sat in one of the church pews and just kind of like slouched and busted out like a newspaper. It's kind of odd. No, yeah, I mean, uncomfortable. was he like a resentful person or something? I don't know. I wouldn't say he was resentful. I just think that he was trying to pr- prove the point of like, if, if you're going to be here, be present. Right. And want to be here. Absolutely. Like, don't just be here because the community expects you to be or you want to seem oh like a good person. He would scare me, though. Like, I'd be like, <laughs> oh, my God, that reference going to like... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I get that. You can feel a little intimidated, but I mean, maybe that you was should the be point, like all you know? accepting. I mean, I know this pie has nothing to do with um, the type of person he is, but <laughs> yeah, like, I think it was just basically like his message was like, be here, then be respectful to God and to me and the church, and, and yeah. you know, as a whole, pay attention to the message and basically like, be here because it's in your heart or in your beliefs to be here, right? Like, not just to, like, go through for the motions. show or whatever. For show. Yeah. For sh- no, like, for show. <laughs> not for show. show. No, no, no. For show. For show. For show. For show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, back on track. People are probably so, so annoyed by us right now. <laughs> it's really late at night, you guys. Cut us some slack. Okay, so, um, so the church members <laughs> decide that they're going to send over someone to check on the reverend and his family. They lived on site. So we have got the church and their home in the same parking lot, essentially. And so they walk on walk on over to the reverend's house. It's all locked. Um, and basically they can't get in. And this goes on for a while where different church members are going back and forth, trying to get in. Uh, the house is locked. Very unusual again, because this family was very open, very inviting to their home. These like, churchgoers seem really like, like they snoop. Like I know, maybe he just is trying to have a romantic morning with his wife. I think we've all played hooky from work before. Give them yeah, but when you've got, I, I speak from experience. When you've got two little kids, it's like Mission Impossible. Yeah. Well. <laughs> you know? Anyway, these yeah. crazy nosy churchgoers go on and it was a pretty small town so maybe it was kind of expected yeah but these people would always hang out at that house like they'd go there before church and sometimes even have breakfast with the reverend and his wife and And you said he was welcoming so very welcoming yeah Yeah. they had like a basketball hoop out in the driveway kids would like play 
before church, after church. So it was very common for everyone to hang out in that uh-huh. home. And also, like I said, like in the driveway. Right. They would all come and go. And also their cars were there, which was odd. So the reference car and his wife's car were both in the driveway. Yeah, so probably worried something, you know, maybe he's sick. Yeah, or, like something's yeah, your definitely car is here off. And it's not like you to not start service and have everyone waiting. So we're trying to just figure out if you're okay. Yes, absolutely. So around 920 now, again, like I said, a bunch of people have tried to enter. Um, they have some sort of like assistant reverence start the service because it's way past the time when it was supposed to start. So we have someone filling in for him. And as that's happening, the church superintendent named David Hathaway eventually goes around and locates someone that does have a key to the reverend's home. And after this happens, he goes over to the house along with two other of the church members, and they try to open the back door with the key, and it doesn't work. So he tells the other two, hey, guys, just stay back here. I'm going to try the front door and... If the key opens the front door, I will just cut through the house and let you guys in. So that way we're not just going around and around. So they wait um, at the back door and David circles out to the front door, puts the key in the lock and it turns. So he opens the front door and walks down the middle of the home, kind of towards the main hallway, which would get him towards the back door. And as he's passing the main hallway, he notices the reverend's eyeglasses on the floor. Just yeah. like in the kind of weird out of place. Like who yeah. would nobody would put their glasses on the like, floor and he have a heart attack and like he just dropped his glasses. That's not that's a fragile thing, too. It's not like you just threw a shoe on the ground. Right. Mm-hmm. And that and that was his first thought was there's definitely some sort of like disturbance here because, again, you're not just gonna leave your glasses on the floor, especially with kids and stuff. Mm, yeah, definitely. And so he starts walking towards the glasses and as he gets right up to them he sees the reverend's body around the corner so he like peeks around the corner and he sees the reverend's body he's laying on the floor face up and he's just covered in dried blood and it's on his chest on his arms and it's kind of like splattered to the bottom of the walls next to where he's found deceased oh my gosh yeah. And so dried blood, this is obviously something I'm assuming that's been. That's probably, been there for a while. Right, it's not yeah. fresh. Yeah, it didn't just and now, happen. They didn't obviously notice. Obviously, they couldn't get in the house. So there wasn't an open door or a broken window. No, not. Yeah, there's no forced entry at all. Maybe his wife and him got in an argument. and She was like, you're done. I mean, yeah, that's you. You never know. It's you never a good know. assumption. Cause, cause I mean, where, she, is she, where is she? Right. They have right. not located her or the kids locked up the house and. Mm hmm. But her car was still in the driveway, which is odd. But if she's smart, she would have just rented another car. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't. Yeah, absolutely. You know me; I am making everyone the suspect. No, that's great. Beginning. That's you know? that's how it's. You know, that's the great way to have your mind work. And in fact, that's very common. If if a husband or a wife is murdered, the first suspect is always their spouse. Yeah, because that's the person with you know, as far as like passion and. Yeah, know, like feelings. That's that's the person that you are either going to resent or love, or you know, sure, right? And um, or they've got financial gain, like life yeah. insurance policies. So it's very common to think that, and um, I think that's a, you know, yeah, correct thought to have at first. 
So um, let's see. So yeah, so he, like I said, he finds the body. And so David starts rushing to the back door to get the other church members. And as he goes out to the back, he lets them know what he's discovered. And he gives them a warning, you know, hey, guys, this is what I found. I don't recommend that you see this. It's something that's going to stay with you. But, you know, people are nosy and curious like me. Sure, yeah. I've been like, oh, a dead body. Get out of the way. (laughs) Get out of the way. (laughs) I know I I would, but I'm a little on the weird side. But not if it was like me or one of your best friends. I don't know. Maybe you would. I don't don't know. know. It's so hard because in that moment. Our best friend Gabriel passed away. Right. You, I couldn't handle going to the viewing and you, not to say that you were like rubbing your hands together to go, but like (laughs) you went and yeah, you do have. Yeah, I don't know. That's totally off subject. I don't subject, know. But yeah, I think it's just, it's so like, it just depends on every, at that moment how you're feeling. And every and individual person. I'd be yeah. like, hell no, I'm running the other way. <laughs> no way. No yeah. way. And there's just so many factors that, yeah. yeah. And also as they're walking through the house, David tells them, make sure you guys don't touch anything. This is obviously a crime scene. And when the police arrive, they're going to probably do fingerprints and whatnot. You never know. Which is common knowledge. I don't know in the 80s, but. Well, imagine the the dramatics of the scene, though. I know. A small town. uh, Yeah. You know, and they're obviously so eager to get in the house. And logic's out the window a lot of times in that. Yeah. Shock. Like, not to be off topic, but yeah, shock sets in like when um, Jackie Kennedy, right? JFK's head was blown off and out of like shock she's like picking up his pieces of Jeez. his skull oh my god just to like try to put him back together because in that moment yeah you just don't you know your mind I feel like needs to take a minute or two to actually get what who, just happened who, or what you, know, you just who expects saw to ever see something anything like this right someone you care about you know you exactly. never... somebody you care about there's a different level of shock probably when yeah you see somebody you never you know, oh absolutely sure yeah absolutely so after they see the body, Lydia heads back to the church. And of course, she's like telling everybody, oh, my God, this and that. Um, in the meantime, Wilmot, the other guy, he's calling 911. And he's in such shock that when the 911 operator asks him for the address, he just draws a blank. And he's like, uh. so David has to take the phone and has to let them know where they are. David's like handling it. David's handling business. Yeah, he definitely is. Uh, and so... Like I said, nine one one's on the phone. By this time, Lydia has like rallied the Lydia troops. Lydia is sketchy. Lydia is crazy. Lydia is sketch. So already. she comes back. She's got all these hens, you know, coming over from the church, squawking outside. David is like, no one can enter. I am blocking off both entrances, the garage entrance and the front door. You guys are not coming in. Yes, Police. David. Yeah, he handled it. He's like, police need to get here and do their thing and do their investigation. Right. Back not up. all you old crones in here and buzzing <laughs> around this poor poor man on the I know. You know dead on the floor so paramedics arrived really really quickly they said it, it seemed like just like a minute or two after the 911 call they were there their response time was just phenomenal of course they confirmed bob was indeed dead and so they go throughout uh, the rest of the house to check the rooms on the first floor they don't see anything they checked there were three bedrooms, two bathrooms. There was like a kitchen slash dining area and then also a living room area. Didn't find anybody. So they're like, okay, no one else is here. 
a few minutes pass, and I guess one of the paramedics told David that, oh, hey, is there a basement? I'm sorry, asked David, is there a basement? Yes, there is. We're going to check the basement. So at that point, I believe it was maybe two paramedics and David. They're heading down towards the basement. And as they're walking down the steps, it's really dark and kind of dank down there. They turn on the light and one of the paramedics looks over and says, there's a body there. So they see a body. And so this paramedic is going down. And as David is coming down the stairs, he kind of stops and goes, I think I see three bodies. So not just one. There's three more and what they find three more or three, three more bodies, more bodies in the basement so yeah there are four dead people in this home right okay. three downstairs Bob upstairs and three in the basement yes and and what they find in the basement is just so bone chilling and so shocking that they never expected to see and to from that day the paramedics and all of the first responders vowed that they were going to find who did this just from the pure just gruesome scene that they were left with and such cold-blooded scene. So they go into the basement. The walls are covered in blood. The floor is covered in blood. It's even sprayed up to the ceiling. Wow. There's just so much blood everywhere. And what they find is there are three bodies on the floor next to this couch. And it was Bob's wife. Her name was Dawn. And her two little girls. And the little girls were Janelle, she was eight, and Jolene, who was six years old. Wow. The worst part, this like killed me, is Dawn's on the floor dead. And the youngest child, the six-year-old, is still holding on to her mom, even in death. Her body was found like clutching her mom. Like you can feel like the fear... And just the panic from this little girl still holding her mom after she was killed. I wonder, I'm probably jumping ahead of your story, but I I just can't help but put my mind in their situation. And I wonder if they heard Bob getting killed inside the home and the mom fled to the basement to hide with the girls. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, because I was thinking, like, why would you leave a body upstairs and then three Sure. In the basement. So I'm just wondering. And you would take would... out the one that's the biggest threat first, right. which would be the man. And, and the man who usually, I mean, usually is mm-hmm. who's going to protect the household and, fe- you know, fight off whoever's coming in and say, go hide, get out, whatever. Right. And maybe she didn't have time to leave. And it's kind of a dead end when you go into a basement where there's no way out from there. You can only, only way out is the only way in. Someone's yeah. coming in, you're kind of, you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really sad. So, so, so sad. That was, like I said, the scene that was found. So I'm going to kind of go back and give a background now about kind of the family. Can I just ask, were they stabbed or is that coming later? It's coming later, but I can tell you they were all shot with um, a shotgun at close range. So shotguns are extreme power. Yeah. They'll like like blow you like the bullet. Like no wonder there was blood on the ceiling. Right. Because the bullet basically like explodes. Yeah. Yeah. As it, so oof. Yeah. Poor little kids. I know. I believe like Dawn was shot in the temple. I want to say, and it's in my notes later, um, but I want to say the eight-year-old was shot um, in the forehead. Oh. So sad. And the six-year-old was shot right underneath her right eye. Oh, that's so sad. Can you imagine like putting that gun to that six-year-old's face? Like right in her face. Right. In front of her eye. Like what's wrong with you? Ugh. And to know that 
at least one of the children had to witness someone else dying, you know, getting right. shot in front of them. Because both can, of them probably, because I'm, I'm assuming that poor mom died first. I know. So both girls yeah. probably watched pop, their pop, mom pop. die, right? So sad. Because you know the mom was probably like, "Kill me, don't hurt my kids." I mean, I think any mother, unless some psycho was tormenting the mom, is like, "I'm going to make you watch as I do this." Right. To your kids. But yeah, you, you, I mean, obviously a psycho. Know. I mean, right. Anyway, yeah. Okay, so a little bit of background. So Bob. Actually, uh, Don was not his first wife. This was his second wife. His first wife was named Joy. And so Bob and Joy married in 1970 and they were totally in love. A year after they got married, she gave birth to their oldest son. His name is Jeff. And about three years after that, their daughter Jackie was born. He's got a lot of J's with his kids. <laughs> a lot. And so Bob at that time, Bob, Bob at that time worked in computer networking. He had lived in Florida at the time. So it was, I'm sorry, he moved to Florida in 1980 because I guess he got a really good like computer job of some sort. And then in 1982, he did so well that he kind of started moving up in rank for the company. And he became some computer like networking expert, uh, very smart, made really good money. Um, back then, they were still a pretty religious family. Church was pretty important to them. But according to my research, they went to a different kind of church and a church, uh, a Nazarene church. And I'm not super religious, so I don't know what the big I would um, assume it's like Lutheran differences. Protestant. Yeah, that's what I'm know, assuming. Presbyterian or. Yeah. But it's kind of not like super important, but it's kind of important to note just because they were super religious in this one religion. And then he became a reverend in a different religion later. Sure. So it was kind of a little strange. And those hardcores can get pretty. Yeah. Some of those hardcores are. That. Yeah. So in 1983, Joy, his first wife, um, finds out she's, ha she has breast cancer. And again, like it's like the eighties, the survival rate wasn't as great as it is today. And unfortunately, in 1985, she dies of breast cancer. And her kids, Jeff and Jackie, are just so distraught, so sad that their mom has died. But what they say is that her husband, Bob, was kind of like really stoic about it. Just like, okay, guys, well, you know, this is really sad, but life goes on. We have to keep like we have to keep moving and living and we can't just fall apart over your mom's sure. death, basically. In fact, he's so like eager to, I guess, not hurt from it or to move on that he moves on like six months after his wife dies. Yeah. So six months later, he meets Dawn, who is the second wife that was murdered in the basement. Jeff is not happy. Jeff is pissed. And Both of the kids are pissed. And Jeff's car was there. Jeff car, Jeff's car was not there. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Parents' car. So like I said, he meets Dawn six months later after she, after his wife has passed. Uh, Dawn at this time was also a widow. Her husband had died. Some people suspected that her husband had committed suicide. I couldn't really find a definitive answer on it. Others say he died from like a sickness or some sort of ailment. Mm -hmm. But, um, Basically, Don had three girls of her own. So it's kind of like the Brady Bunch, right? Don has three girls. They're all named Jay also. Wow. <laughs> She's got Jackie, who's 12. Um, I think it was... What, oh, was it Jolene? Jolene? Jolene and Janelle. And Janelle. You're good. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> um, and then, like I said, and Bob had his 
Jeff. kids, Jeff and Jackie. So I, oh, wow. somehow all the J's, all the kids were J. <laughs> so did Jeff live with them? Yeah. They all, all lived there? together. All the, the kids. I'm telling you, it was like the Brady Bunch. All five. Wow. Yeah. So two from Bob and then the three from Don. So Bob and Don get married three months after they wow. met. Quick. Do you think she they had, had an affair? No, I don't think so. Because they didn't even meet until you six months after. I don't. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I never know. Um, and kind of like you said before, his kids were really upset because he moved on super fast, married this lady just three months after meeting her. I'd be pretty pissed if dad did that. Oh, I think we'd kick his ass. Right. And bring some no harlot over. Some hussy. Scram. Yeah, and your kids. <laughs> Get out. Try to. Their, their names are going to be like. Hell no. Like Peaky and. And uh, Irina. Irene. Irina. Irina. <laughs> <laughs> the knockoff versions. <laughs> they only want a Reginald. Oh, so uh, Jackie, his daughter, she was 12 at the time. She recalls that back then her dad, Bob, was called into work one night. It was kind of late at night. So she said, this is really weird. My dad was called into work one night and she thinks she heard something about like money laundering, some kind of shady stuff going on with that company he was working for. And so he goes into work, goes into the office. Remember, this is like in Florida and he works as a computer tech. And the next evening, all of a sudden, the family like packs up all their shit and randomly moves out of state to Indiana. And they had never talked about like, we're going to move out of state or daddy is going to get a new job. Like nothing like that. It was just so like one night dad got called into work at night, which was weird. He never went to work at night. Like, why is a computer tech going late at night to work? Kind of weird. On the run. On the run. So like I said, next day, they just up and move pack all their shit and move to indiana and on top of that bob leaves this job that is like paying him pretty well to become like but some is random that really his job or is he like working with the mob well, and the mob's <laughs> like you need to get out of here who knows i mean i'm I'm just yeah i mean uh, you never know but then so he goes from like this computer maybe he was tech having to an being affair. a reverend maybe he wasn't having an affair you and the, the affairs well i mean six months after your old lady passes you know and then you go and find but his Don. old lady was sick so maybe he had a little bit of time to be like yeah oh, she was sick for two years maybe he like mentally mm. like i don't know something sketchy going on that's basically saying kiki's gonna come haunt your ass if you ever do oh, that to her and she right. uh if she kicks already, the bucket I if you remarry know. yeah you're you're <laughs> fucked yeah she's already said that before it's so. true yeah you're you're a goner if she does that yeah. or i'm sorry if you do that at least six years you gotta wait six years <laughs> your soul will be at rest by then perhaps yeah right your ass would be haunting him till the end of time you would never let him that's it's true, true. on okay so like i said next day they up and move um and then he gets a job as a reverend. Again, random. So he was weird. never a reverend before. He He's living a double life. He's li- he's like making a fraction of what he made before at the computer job. So just a lot of kind of weird things in my opinion anyway. And again, he get he gets a job as like a church reverend um in a different religion. He must know something's after him or someone like I or the think FBI so. told him to move or something or someone gave him a tip like this person's coming after you, your family. Especially to like danger. leave at night like that. Yeah. Like I think I saw a Simpsons episode like this once. <laughs> they had to change the like name. Fat Tony Sideshow, Sideshow Bob oh. was coming after Bart. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love Sideshow Bob. Me too. Kelsey. Kelsey Grandma. You're my hero. And Sideshow Mel, which is Niles. Anyway, That's sorry. Right. That's us, baby. <laughs> That should be our podcast names, Frazier and Niles. Let's continue with the story. 
hey, that's my job. Let's continue with the story. <laughs> so Jeff is 15 years old at the time. And so you, I can kind of imagine how difficult this is. Not only are these kids dealing with like this new blended family. So stepsisters, a new stepmom, their mom just died. Indiana. All of a sudden, Indiana, they move out of state. <laughs> they have a new home, a new religion, basically. Like everything they knew is gone. So Jeff starts to rebel against his dad. So him and his dad start arguing a lot. Jeff gets caught like shoplifting. He starts breaking into cars at some point. He starts smoking weed. So he's acting like a teenage, a troubled teen. And Don also cash, catches him like trying to cash like a check that was supposed to be, I think like for the church or something like that. Anyway, he does a lot of shit he's not supposed to do, gets in trouble a lot. Um, and at one point he even tells his dad, like, I'm going to be, I'm suicidal. I'm going to kill myself. I can't handle this. So the whole family starts going to like family counseling to try to help him and like the whole situation. How old was Jeff at this time? Uh, 16. 16. Yeah. Angsty. Yes. And so one, I guess one night there was like a robbery in town and officers that investigate it figure out like that the son Jeff is tied to this home invasion slash like robbery. And instead of just arresting him, they go over to the reverend's house and out of like respect for the reverend, again, like small town, everyone right. knows each other. They go, hey, you know, like, we know your son did this. We don't want him to go to jail, but he can't just like rob a house. Yeah, and, there, yeah. there has to be like some consequence. And so Bob's like, oh, he'll definitely like pay for this. He's going to repay these people everything he stole. He's going to apologize and I'm going to ground him like the most I possibly can. And so, okay, Jeff, like, repays these people, whatever he stole, he apologizes. And then his dad tells him, like, you're grounded. I'm taking your car away. Like, you're not going anywhere. You're just going to school and back, basically. And so to make sure he doesn't drive the car, his dad, like, removed, like, some, like, fuses out of the engine. And also the distributor cap, which I know nothing about cars, but I'm assuming, like... Sounds important. Yeah, you can't go anywhere without this stuff. Um, and so Jeff is like, okay, I get it. Like, I deserve it. That's fine. Yeah, I robbed a house. I robbed a house. I, like, broke Sorry. into some cars. Sorry. So he accepts it. Um, well, I guess a week later, <laughs> Jeff realizes, oh, shit, prom is coming up. And I'm, I'm fucked. I'm grounded. I can't go to prom. My girlfriend's going to be pissed. And so he starts, like, kind of begging his dad, please, dad, let me go to prom. Please let me have the car. You know, typical, like, try to renegotiate things, which I remember I did that so much growing up, Granted, <laughs> trying to get out of punishments. Granted, it was like, because we got like a, a D or, or for your case, a B on your report card. <laughs> no. no, mine was more like I was talking back to like dad. Or you're sneaking out of the house with some boy at 2 a.m. Yeah, but I never got busted for that. Yeah. Anyway, so after, you know, wearing him down, Bob tells his son, fine, you can go to prom, but... You can only go if I drive you yeah, and your date. Yeah, right. I would. Ugh. Of course, it's like. Well, yeah, you robbed a house. Well, yeah, I mean, no. Right. I mean, but I'm thinking I mean, like talk from about, Jeff's point of view, he's like, oh, block. fuck. I was just going to say that. You know? Yeah. He's obviously not happy about it, but he's like, okay, well, it's yeah. better than not going at all. So he calls up his girlfriend and tells her, yeah, my dad said I can go, but it's going to drive us. And I according to some accounts like she was not happy about this like ew your dad's gonna drive us like what the fuck but she wanted some heavy petting <laughs> she wanted to get down yeah 
So this is where the story kind of like splits into two and you've got like Jeff's side and then what other people are saying. Which I believe everyone else. (laughs) I kind of do too. The one side of it are the church members. They say that Bob would have never let Jeff drive himself to prom. Like if he was going to let him go, like I said before, he was going to drive him and he was being pretty lenient. To even let him go go at all. all. Right. Right. Agreed. And not that I know Bob, but right. But I think like any parent, especially if you're like a reverend and you're supposed to set an example, your kid's like off like raising hell. You're like, a week later, here's your car, kid. (laughs) There you go, kid. Let him have it. Have fun. Uh, But then Jeff tells investigators like, oh, no, my dad changed his mind. He told me I could drive the car that night. He told me I could take the car to prom. So this isn't the night before Bob died, right? This what do you mean? Like them saying yeah. it? this this whole prom thing. This isn't the night he didn't go to prom the night before Bob died, right? This isn't. No. OK. The prom was the same night Bob and his family were killed. Oh, it's the same night. The same night. So not the night before. Oh, so this is sketchy. This is sketchy as fuck. Because now they're like not the alibi of the car. Jeff's like, I'm murdering my parents and, and I'm, I'm coming bouncing. and we're going to the prom. Yeah, that's what oh, a lot of people freak. believe. <laughs> so according to Jeff, April 29th, this is the night of prom. This is like what he says happened that day. He gets up super early because he works at McDonald's as like a line cook. And his co-worker picks him up from his house because he's not driving his car yet. Right. Because he's not going to prom. He's going to work. Co-worker picks him up at 430 in the morning. They go to work at McDonald's. He works his shift until about one o'clock and then his dad picks him up from work. And as they're driving home from McDonald's to their house, this is where Jeff says, like, please, dad, like, I'll make good choices from now on. Please let me take the car tonight. Some good choice (laughs) to prom. I don't want to let down my girlfriend. And they kind of had have had arguments about the girlfriend's name is Darla about Darla in the past, dad would always tell him like, you know what? Like, I don't think you should be dating right now. She's just distracting you. You're not focusing on school. You're getting into like all this weird trouble. Yeah. Sounds like, yeah. A, yeah. I mean, breaking <laughs> into houses is probably trying to find her a nice piece of jewelry or something. <laughs> but at this point, people will suspect that he kind of wore his dad down. Like, please, it's not her fault that I'm an idiot. Like I'm really letting her down. And so some people go like, well, maybe Bob let agree to let him take the car because they didn't want to let down this girl nah, who's innocent. Nah, nah. But again, there's like mixed opinions, of course, about it. So the day of the murder, this is the timeline. And remember, that was just according to Jeff. He said, oh, yeah, dad changed his mind last minute. He changed his mind at like one one fifteen. Yeah, how convenient. No one else knew about it. But he told me at like one one fifteen. Right, the only sole person who knows right. is Jeff, that little freak who's breaking into people's houses and... <laughs> So this is the timeline, the day of the murders. Like I said, 4.30 a.m., he leaves for work with the co-worker. Around 12.20 in the afternoon, the dad, Bob, he, like, goes to a gun shop, and he's, like, browsing, looking at guns. Who is? The dad, the reverend. He loves guns. Like, he was a gun collector. Um, But I think what I read on some accounts was that he kind of, like, put them away or hid them yeah or kept them in a safe yeah well he didn't all the time but uh, as of recently he had because of jeff and his weird behavior and he's like you're off like robbing people if you breaking into cars doesn't matter brother sister not implying on you but there are some weirdos and if you feel that even if it's your child like yeah you like follow your gut yes 
And absolutely, I mean, people are. Like, crazy. Who cares if people get mad? Like I was gonna say, people are crazy nowadays, but that's eighty nine. So I guess the crazy has been crazy for a long time. That's some small town crazy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, so he was there browsing. The store owner reported that he didn't buy a gun that day, but he was just looking. You know, poor dad's like, crap. We got this psycho kid. No, <laughs> think he's out guy. to get me, so I need to buy another gun. Or, or the dad was like, crap. I'm so paranoid about what happened in Florida if something did happen because they up and moved. I, yeah. I don't know. Right? So we got both of those kind of like looming. Yeah, I don't think any parents could truly ever expect their kid, if no. it was Jeff, to come after and kill them and their wife. Right. Especially if they didn't like, if they weren't violent Where's towards Jackie you Jackie this whole time? Oh, Jackie is out of town at some church retreat, like okay. at some other thing. And there's another daughter because remember like... Jackie is Jeff's sister, like blood yeah. sister. Uh-huh. And then the two little girls that died, they right. had an older sister as well. Oh, okay. And that was, I think that was Jackie. I don't know. I'm sorry. There's a all lot of J's. J's. All the yeah. J's. Uh-huh. It was it. Jessica. Jeez, Jessica was the so one. so many J's. It's I know. So, so Jackie was at the church event and then Jessica that night was staying with like her best friend. So she was at her That's best sad. friend's house. So she lost her mom and her two sisters. She lost her whole family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the dad passed away. Her too. dad had, well, yeah. Damn. So she was literally, ugh. And she talks a lot about it now, like in interviews. And it's like heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, she said that she remembers when they were pulling up to her house and she sees all this like police everywhere. Oh, and, you know, being young, her, her brain was so innocent. She thought that something happened to her dog. And she was like, she was. I remember, I was so scared that something happened to my dog. Little did I know that, like, my whole family, my, whole my everything. life, just was gone, completely, just so torn from me in an instant. You just don't even think of that, you know. Very, very sad. Back to the day of the murders. Uh, like I said, twelve twenty. Bob is kind of browsing. Um, and he's killing time until he goes and picks up his son, Jeff, from work at one. They drive home. And once they get home, Jeff is in his driveway and he's washing his car. He had a silver Mustang at the time. Oh, so like he's thinking he's going to take it out. Yeah, because like, he's like washing the car. That and neighbors sa- saw him doing it. And they were see like that the two little girls, Janelle and Jolene, were helping her their Aww. stepbrother Aww. wash his car. At this time, Dawn, the stepmom, she was away at some like Girl Scout meeting or something. Uh, and like I said, like their stepsister, Jessica, was a two little girl's sister. She was out staying with her friend that night. And then the other sister, Jackie, Jeff's full blooded sister, was away at a church event. That evening, Bob, Dawn, Jolene, Janelle, and Jeff all have dinner or, um, or maybe like a late lunch together. Jeff is home. He's watching, he's watching a baseball game and the baseball game ends around 4.30 ish or so. And right when the baseball game ends, right around 4.35, um, a bunch of his friends, like some teenagers come over to their house to kind of like show off their prom dresses, take some pictures, say hello. Cause again, small town, they know the yeah, reverend and his wife. Prom. Yeah. Weird because as these friends and p- friends of the family are coming over to say hi and take pictures, they notice that Jeff is not wearing his tux for prom. He's dressed in like a pink and blue shirt and jeans or something like that. Huh. Um, and he seems real quiet, real reserved. Um, and one of the girls tells investigators later, like, he was just like really kind of quiet and he wasn't dressed for prom. And she describes, like I said, the shirt he was wearing. And this will become kind of important later of why she remembers the shirt. As everyone is kind of like leaving, uh, I think they leave around 
I want to say like 445-ish, all the all his friends. Yeah. Jeff then says that he calls his girlfriend Darla, tell her he's going to be a little bit late, and that he leaves the house around 450, makes a stop along the way to Darla's house at some like convenience store. He said his car was idling weird. Something oh, was weird. Yeah, okay. Um, and actually the store, the convenience store clerk does confirm that he did stop by there. To and get some like sanitizer. Bleach. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sanitizer. Obviously, I don't know how to. You're living in the COVID world. <laughs> oh, here's my hand sanitizer. Um, and he gets to Darla's around 5:30. What I think is super weird is he doesn't put on his tux until he gets to Darla's house. Did he like chuck or Darla's friend's house? I'm, maybe he left his clothes at her house because he knew to have evidence, and he didn't think maybe cops would find like. That's a really good guess, but. They find the clothes that one of the friends said he was wearing in the washing machine. Like whose washing machine? His? In his, like where the family was murdered. Oh, so yeah. then he had to come back at some or or he cha- if if he shot them, he probably tore his clothes off, threw it in the washing machine with bleach or whatever detergent. I mean, just burn it. Hopped in the shower, but does not look total sus. Like yeah, suspicious. but if someone. Uh, I mean, I mean, it looks worse if you're burning than, oh, I just did a little laundry. Yeah, but do they What's know weird about burning, that? Doesn't it just turn to dust? You go that, off to the well, woods? And not necessarily because they can find remnants of it. A button, like the steel, like of jeans. Throw like it in the, the ocean. Fuck is going to drive to the ocean. That yeah, yeah, I don't know where Indiana is. <laughs> Maybe it's a coastal state. Bag of rocks. <laughs> Bag of rocks. I mean, his whole story is contradicting. I can't believe that there's two stories to this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he was planning on going. He got his car ready to go. He said that his dad is ready to go. Mm-hmm. And then his friends say that he wasn't dressed. Yeah. And so weird. His did car he, was idling. Like, Did he show up to Darla's in his suit? No, I just told you that, oh, you fool. I forgot. No, he was dressed. Why wouldn't you show up to your prom date? That's what I'm saying. You're gonna get, why are you going to dress so up? He wore another outfit house. from earlier. Yeah. So the pink outfit is, is like the in the wash. wash. Then he shows up in his new outfit, but now he's going to change it into so his why tux. Why don't you just change it from your that's pink what, outfit? That's what I wanted to know. I have a, I have a word with that. I, you know what, here. though? I have a theory on that because he didn't plan to go home that night. And he fucking knew he wasn't going home that night. Because he was going to either bet, get Because he fucking cause... killed everybody. Oh, yeah. So he, I bet you he killed them. He put his, the, his clothes in the wash. He changed. He brought his tux with him and probably used that as an excuse. Like, oh, hey. What a freak. Can I, like, get dressed at your place? Weird. Like, if my date showed up not dressed, I'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Not to mention all of his friends came over to his yeah, house. Yeah. Right? Like, what the hell have you been doing all day? Picking your Sketchy. ass? Why aren't you dressed? And so I bet you is so he could wear those clothes because the next day after prom, they all plan to go to Six Flags. And his dad told me initially, everyone's like, his dad would have never let him go. He was grounded. He robbed a house. He only let him go to prom because it was prom and he was going to drive him. All of a sudden, he's going to Six Flags. He's going to prom. He's spending the night at someone's house. He's going to an after party for after prom. And I'll go into this, get into this. But it's like. Right. Whoa. It's way far off from what it was intended to be. Yeah. Do you, do you think this is premeditated or do you think this was, he saw his friends felt this huge amount of anger? I think oh, it was premeditated. Gosh. Why wasn't he in his suit when his friends came over? What Because he wasn't going. That's what I'm saying. No, he was going to. The dad said that he could go to prom, but the dad had to drive him, right? <sighs> I mean, who knows? I don't even think his dad said he can go. 
Oh. I don't even think the so dad his, said, I'll drive you. Are, well, I think he's he just saying go, this. If he couldn't go, then I doubt the dad would be like, you can't go, but your friends could come over before. And but again, awesome but this is look. like a small town. Like they came to like, they were like family, you know, like, I but guess. again, I thought that was weird too, though. When I read it, I was like, well, that's weird. But if he's not you, going, you know, why guess, are they like I guess, well, I guess, flaunting that they're going right. to prom? I guess that maybe maybe he wasn't. Maybe the dad told him he couldn't go. And that's why he was wearing his lame pink outfit. And, and that's why he was all like sulking and quiet and, quiet, and like yeah. all pissy when they came And over. he's like, I'll show you guys in a few. No. What a psychopath. So he attends prom with Darla. He goes to the bowling alley for like an after party. And then him and Darla end up sleeping over. Like at a friend's house, so I he believe. kills his family and he does not care. He's like, "I'm gonna go bowling." There are so many cases where they just don't care and they so, act totally normal afterwards, so and it sad. is insane. Yeah, yeah. There's this other one that we'll do, hopefully, very similar. And yeah. he has a house party, and his parents are dead upstairs. Oh, like straight up, like on one of these other Spoiler. cases. Was You'd be Halloween amazed party? how no. you know people just. Some people are just crazy. They just don't. They turn it off. They don't care. So anyway, so they both sleep over at the friend's house, and I'm like, dude, my parents would never let us sleep over with a boy our prom date. Yeah, ever. Especially and I'm sure the during, dad's like, yeah, go ahead, spend the night. You just rob a bunch of places. Might as well knock up this chick. Yeah, might just as well uh, go for the gusto, dude. And a lot of people that were interviewed say that that night that he went to the bowling alley and stuff, he had invited himself over to the sleepover. Creep. And so that's kind Duh. of like There's important. There's like so many creepy people that do that type of stuff. I know. It's like, like, can I come too? Yeah. Oh, all yeah. freaky and weird. So I think it's important to note because... He didn't want to go his home. His ass didn't want to go home. He knew what was there. Oh, yeah. He knew what was there. So we know this is Jeff. There's a lot of controversy. A lot. So after uh, the autopsies were conducted, they found out that Bob was killed with two shotgun blasts, one to the chest, one in the jaw. Damn. Uh, he was dressed casually, which is important. Like, he wasn't wearing church clothes. He wasn't wearing, like, pajamas. So that means it was the day before prior. I believe so, yeah. Which he was, was dressed, yeah. He was dressed like a normal day. So, yeah, I believe it was, like, right after those kids left. That's what I think. Don and her kids were also dressed casually. Again, not in their PJs or anything like and that. You know, little kids clothes. go to bed at like eight or nine, you know? Yeah. So it must have been prior. I don't know how, but they say the autopsy revealed that Dawn was killed first. Uh, like I told I said, you. Oh, no, never mind. <laughs> like I said, uh, they were all shot um, pretty much in the head at close range with shotgun. Dawn in the temple. Janelle was shot in the forehead. Jolene was shot below her right eye. Aww. Yeah. That's so sad. And like I said before, investigators were so horrified. They said this was the worst, like, murder they've ever walked into. Those first responders were just shocked. I mean, they've had PTSD since then. uh, And they determined that Jeff was their number one suspect. Crazy Jeff. Right when, yeah. So when they were investigating the murder... They were canvassing, like, the church members and everything, like, the area. And the church members, a lot of them talked about, like, how many problems existed between Bob and Jeff, father and son. All the arguments, all the crap that Jeff was pulling. And so, red flags for those investigators. So, when right after his dad and um, his stepmom were found dead, 
He's off gallopalooing at Six Flags. Because remember, he spent the night with his friends. They drove two hours to Six Flags um, and decided to go to amusement park. Did to he continue. know at this point? Did they call him and say... Well, this is what Darla reported to the officers later. She said that while they were at Six Flags, before any like police had contacted them, like all of a sudden, Jeff got quiet and he's like, I feel, I feel like something's wrong. I feel like weird, like something happened. It's like, okay, do you have like, you know, what are you, psychic? yeah, he's trying to just be like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, officers, somehow they located him at Six Flags. He was taken in. They believe that Jeff killed his family for a reason of, he was mad that Bob wouldn't let him go to prom, drive the car, or do anything prom related. They believe that he killed everybody right after his friends left the house. Oh, my gosh. And they said probably when they left, he shoots his dad. Don and the kids are freaking out because the shotgun blast is really loud. There's two blasts. They probably run downstairs, like you said, for maybe to hide. I don't know. He follows them. Or he ordered them down. Or he ordered them. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good point, too. And he, he kills them. He murders them downstairs. They believe that he threw his clothes in the washing machine because they were the same clothes that one of the friends had described that he was wearing when they went over for pictures. He retrieved the shell casings. So when they got there, they didn't find any of the shell casings from the shotgun. He showers, puts on new clothes, and then calls, or I don't know if he called Darla before or after, but calls Darla, say he'll be late. And then drives over there. And like I said, he kind of made that pit so stop along the tell way. Tell me, if you, you think if this happened today with like our forensics now, do you think they would have been able to pin the killer? Like, do you think that I, you said he took the shell casings and stuff? I'm, I'm just trying to think, like, how is there no evidence that it's him? You know? Yeah, I think um, I mean, it's hard to say, but I mean, our forensics now is so much more advanced yeah. than it was then. That Yeah, I don't think we had databases in 89. N- no, yet. I don't think so. So fingerprints and all that kind of stuff was like, you got to go through sheets. I mean, yeah, look how they look what they had to go through to catch the Night Stalker. Exactly. It was uh, right around the same time. It was a shoe print that was their biggest lead. So, yes, yeah, so investigators definitely thought it was him. They also believed that investigators thought that only that one gun was used to kill everyone. But then later, I guess the crime scene technicians determined that there were two different kinds of shotgun shells. But I thought he took the shotgun. I'm shell. sorry, not the shells, but like the slugs that were left in the bodies. Oh, yeah. So from the autopsy, they said that one of the shotgun slugs, like the different. casing was um, had like cardboard oh. made of cardboard, or some cardboard element in it. And the other kind had plastic. OK. Um, however, these could have both been fired from the, the say, same shotgun just because the ammunition ammo? is right. yeah, like a different brand doesn't mean there had to be two guns. So. This is, again, where, like, all the controversial stuff comes out of people saying he did it. No, he didn't. I mean, does it take away that he did it, whether it was one or two guns? Well, if you think, like, it was, like, mob-related or whatever from out of they state. They wouldn't have a shotgun. <laughs> They'd have, like, a Glock or something, right? I don't know. I'm not a mobster. I just know Glock and 9 millimeter. <laughs> Wait, are the family guns accounted for in this? No, thank you. They could not find the family shotgun was missing. Oh, hello. (laughs) I know, right? Psycho Jeff. Yeah, the murder weapon was never found. So, Psycho Jeff. (laughs) I want to hear that. Some people who say that Jeff, like they believe Jeff is innocent, have like a problem with the police theory that he did it. 
And the biggest one was that they say that there wasn't much time to commit this murder, take the shotgun shells, you know, shower. What do you mean? What do you I know. Mean? I'm like, it only takes like a few minutes to shoot someone. Bam, bam, bam. And he's all gallivanting, taking a shower and all. He's like, get out of here. And they're like, well, he had to like close all the windows. How do you not think it's the curtains? Jeff? How do you not think it's Jeff? That's what yeah, I want to know. I know. The fact that the, the shotguns were close to the face and... I feel like that makes it a little more personal, don't you? Like, Absolutely. It's not from a distance. It's not like it, yeah. there's any sort of distance between the two people. So this was probably somebody that you would let close to you. Yeah, it was definitely like execution style too. Exactly. Like right, yeah, up close and personal. And what That's do a I really know? Good point. I'm sure there's like, but I was about to say like, usually if someone who, and there was no forced entry. Sorry, right. there's no oh, yeah. forced entry. So everything also, pretty much lines up yeah, against. And, and I feel like if someone was to like shoot someone. For no reason, like let's say it was a burglar, I would believe the house would be ransacked, things would be taken. Like this was an intent to kill these people to me. Like right, like the house wasn't. Oh yeah, he wasn't like, shooting to. Only thing they them. took was the dad's shotgun, and that. and and well, and well, Jeff took his own car, but I guess it doesn't count. <laughs> well, it's like, hello, yeah. It's like, why is the shotgun missing? And someone who has an intent to kill. Is going to come with their own freaking gun. Jeff's obviously a loser who just took their dad's gun to do his bidding. And what? some people say, well, maybe he, his dad hid it so well we couldn't find it because oh, yeah. he was hiding it from and Jeff. And now it's like 30 years later or whatever. Or how? What also makes later. sense is he said, you said that his dad took out those spark plugs and a few pieces. So yeah. if his car was sputtering, that means he might have been out of power. So he tried to fix his car himself, maybe. Yeah. So yeah. Did they ever else? look at, did the teller at the store ever say what Jeff bought at the store no and i kept trying to look for that so that would be like a, i don't know if it would be it would be a hint maybe yeah did buy spark plugs or, or like bleach, i don't know if there was or... like surveillance back then to like pull the video and well again i see small town so it's probably yeah. like a written receipt sort of a thing you know that's true yeah but he says his car was like sputtering or acting weird and he stopped to like yeah because the dad didn't let him take his car because he probably removed that part you said and his spark yeah. plugs that little freak I wonder if he, like, threatened his dad with the gun first to tell him where he hid, like, the fuses and, you know, mm. and then, like, killed him after. Yeah. He I mean, really wanted to go to prom. Yeah. He wanted to get lucky that night. Dang. That's seriously so sad. Yeah, it sucks. Very sad. It sucks. But, yeah, so basically, uh, there's a lot of, like, research, a lot of information that goes into he did it or no, this is why he couldn't have done it. And I guess the timing, a lot of people argued like he didn't have enough time. And I was going to say, is there a compelling piece of evidence that someone had, not evidence, but a compelling alibi that someone might have in stating, stating he couldn't have done it besides time? Because to me, that's not, yeah, uh, that's, that's not, really, that's an opinion. Right. Is there something where someone said, no, he couldn't have done it because he was at my house or like something no, more No, like concrete. an alibi? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. 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 So people just don't want to believe But the, the alibi he was trying to give was, oh, I was with my girlfriend. But it's like, no, you weren't. Right. You weren't because your friends left around like 4.45. So he told police that he left at 4.50 to go to Darla's. He's like, oh, yeah, my friends left around 4.45. Well, he got there at 5.30. I left around 4.50 to go to Darla's house and I got to Darla's at 5.30. And when they did the drive, it was a 20-minute drive to get to Darla's. And he goes, and I stopped at this store because my car was acting all weird. So I had to, like, adjust whatever, whatever. Um, And like I said, the car, I'm sorry, the cashier did confirm that Jeff arrived there at 520. And the only reason why the cashier even remembered it is because I guess, like, another employee was supposed to start their shift at 5. 
and the cashier was pissed because like he or she wanted to go home and they were 20 minutes late and it's like what the fuck like hurry yeah. up so you notice the time and then he remembered oh yeah this guy with the mustang da 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 but his friends left at 4 30 like 4 40 4 45 his friends left at 4 30 4 45 yeah so he's saying he left five minutes after they left but he had a shower and change and all that and throws clothes in the wash timing seems so off well that's what i'm gonna get to next however one of jeff's friends after he like left the the whole pictures and stuff he's like oh shit i forgot my date's corsage so he had to drive back and i guess on his drive back he had to pass jeff's house and this was around 5 10 and jeff's car was still there oh so jeff is go. telling cops oh i left at 450 and his friend's like well that's weird because i drove past and i saw your mustang at 5 10 that's what 20 30 minutes oh yeah why yeah. would you lie if you didn't do something right? So like you just bought yourself an extra half hour, basically, right? From four forty, four forty five ish, all the way to five ten. And, and who and stop. who knows how much longer after that he stayed? Because I was just when his friend saw. And if it takes twenty minutes to get to her house, you can stop at a convenience store, and it can take less than five minutes to go right. and grab something, and even have that be part of an alibi. Like, oh yeah, they saw me at this store. Like you can literally run in, grab a pack of gum, and run out. Yeah. So this means he he had at least thirty minutes alone. To and kill he's lying, so that's I know. sketchy. To kill a he, so he had 30 minutes alone to kill his family, uh, gather the shell casing, shower, toss his clothes in the wash, take the gun with him because they never found the gun, draw all the blinds and curtains closed. And so, yeah, a lot of people are like, he totally did it. What Again, what's so weird with this whole controversy is a lot of people just like kept chiming in. So police are like, we know he did it. He must have done it. Like, look at all the circumstantial evidence because they didn't have anything like concrete on him. But all these things are kind of like piling up. Well, I guess they're interviewing neighbors and such. And one of the neighbors says, oh, well, I saw Bob outside of his house around five o'clock. And he was talking to someone that pulled up in some black truck. I'd never seen that truck before. So this random neighbor is like, oh, but the Reverend Bob was outside at five talking huh. to somebody. Who I didn't, she didn't recognize. And again, small town. So you'd think she'd know everybody. So this is again, like where some people are like, maybe it was whoever was from Florida. Da, 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 da. So right. yeah. So there's a lot of back and forth. And then this neighbor says, I'm pretty sure it was around five because I was shopping at Target. I came home. Here's my Target receipt. This is when I paid. I got home however, meant, however much right. longer. Calc- and then she and why would the neighbor lie? You know. Yeah. So who knows? Wait, I mean- this town has a Target. <laughs> All right. So the town just got a little bit bigger, guys. <laughs> right. Keep that in mind. And in '89, they were advanced. Wow. Again, we've got this split. Some people say whoever was in the black truck could have killed him and the family. Who knows? I mean, that does suck for Jeff if he really didn't kill him and he just yeah. looks so damn guilty. Yeah. Then I watched this um, episode, I forget what show it was, but it was their surviving sister. And she talks about how weird he was and how like just like really withdrawn. And he'd have like these weird temper all the time. And she believes that he did it, the sister. The, the, I'm sorry, the stepsister. Oh, the stepsister. And one of the sisters, I don't know if it's the same one, but she wrote a book that came yeah. out in 2019 about surviving this and kind of going through the trauma, right? Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. the stepsister who I can't it? Re- I, I know what you're, what you're talking about. I can't remember if it was the step. It's either character. Jessica or Jackie. I'm not really sure which but one. Yeah, one of them uh, wrote a book on it. And I wanted to read hers, but I knew it. It would just... I would just keep going and going with this. So, yeah. so 
basically they wanted to charge him with this and they couldn't because there was not enough evidence. And so 13 years went by and a new DA was elected. And this district attorney was like, fuck that. I know I have a, I could feel it in my bones that this kid did it. I don't give a shit. Like we're arresting his ass and we're charging him. And we have all of the circumstantial evidence. Um, and they did. Thank He God. was actually living, I believe it was, I think he was living in Florida. Was he remorseful when he found out when the police told him his family? He was so like stoic and quiet and he like didn't cry at first. He was just like, just quiet about it. Like, but again, it's like, can you, can you judge someone based on right. their reaction? It's hard to say. Like when Gabe died, you weren't hysterical. You're, some people just take it more like, okay. Right. And remember, and then, and also the sister, his like full sister reported to police that, well, when our mom died, our dad was like, okay, no, stop crying. Right. You just got to toughen up and life goes on, you know? But, I, but I again, there's a difference with someone dying of cancer right? and then someone was being just gonna say your that. dad, your stepmom and your two stepsisters who are so young being so horrifically killed like their life was robbed and taken from them but horrible horrible but yeah finally in um august 2002 once the da decided that they were going to charge him they flagged him he was out of state he might have been out of the country i think he was like in australia on business or something he flew i think to like la the point is that he was at the airport and they arrested him because his passport was flagged. So wow. they, they arrested him. They transported him back to Indiana where he spent 10 months in jail while like awaiting trial. And then in May 2003, he, he was, thought he was off the hook. Oh, totally. Like, it's been yeah. 12 years. I'm yeah. In Australia. And then in May 2003, he was released from jail. Like, I think it was like on bail or whatever. Right. He made bail. He goes home to Florida. Finally, the trial begins three years later. So God, July, so long. right? July tenth, two thousand six. Trials uh, started finally, and they found him guilty. Is, was there um, found him guilty just um, from what we've heard, or was there? Did he confess, or was there like a? No, he's. I don't think he's ever confessed. Did, they, uh, is he close to his full sister? Do we know? Does he have a relationship with her? Jackie. I, oh, that's such a good question. I'm not sure. So we don't know much about I think Jackie. So we can always do like a, a follow, follow up. up. Yeah, yeah, a we, follow we up episode, can. and I can kind of we can read the book, look into too, that. that like sister wrote. I'm pretty sure Jeff and his attorneys appealed this for quite a while. They tried to drag this on and say like he's definitely innocent. So I know that he actually did fight against this. I mean, Jeff is sketch as fuck. Yeah, I would not trust. So he's him. in jail now. He's in jail, as far as I know. He's but like I said, I'll, I'll just do... We could do a follow-up on it. And he's in the slammer. He's in the slammer. He's slamming. <laughs> he's slamming. Slamming away. Damn. Well, I mean, in conclusion, I mean, every I've never heard a case that lined up so perfectly, and there's one piece of sketch evidence against him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Like, the, bla- the random black truck. Yeah, like, okay, that's weird, but... Yeah, and then everything else lines up. Well, and then also, I mean, also them fleeing. I'm so curious why they fled from... Florida to Alabama, but that was a long time prior before that. that what, what about Alabama? Indiana. What are you about? Oh, Alabama. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a geography course after this. <laughs> Indiana by the ocean, oceanfront property. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I mean? They moved <laughs> overnight. That's really sad, though. And that scares me because I feel like I meet more and more people who have 
like someone in their family that's kind of off putting. And I always tell these people to be, you know, keep an eye on that. Get security cameras. I believe you should have a gun. Yeah, Yeah, because. You never, no one ever thinks that this person. It's always, yeah, it's always, oh, he was so quiet. Oh, yeah, right. And he it's wouldn't like, wouldn't hurt a fly. Yeah, and I mean, I, truth is, is that there can be real life things that come from this and real life permanent consequences, consequences. like life and death consequences. And so as much as we want to make light of scary situations because we don't want to live in fear, we should also take these situations very seriously and be proactive about protecting ourselves again. With cameras, I'm so paranoid. I have cameras in my home. I make Lance make sure that's taken care of in here. I'm wanting a gun. Like, I, and I'm sorry if that offends anybody. It's not like I want to just like show off a big, you know, automatic, but like for protection and stowed away in my house. I agree. Cause I feel like if somebody comes, came to my house and like broke in, what do I do? Right. It's almost like allowing someone else to play God. It's uh, right. Especially if they home. have a gun and I'm just standing there like an idiot. Right. Exactly. It's just here for protection. If someone were to come in and harm me with a gun, you literally are giving someone a hundred percent of power, the power oh, and your family. Like for me, right. I've got kids. Yeah. It's like, whoa, so I think that it's, uh, you know, my opinion is, you know, you stay prepared. This story gave me some heebie jeebies. Um, we got to just. Be proactive and, and, and that's so scary. And I believe that. I think that sometimes the scariest person around you could be someone that's closest to you. Oh, um, not definitely. that I'm going to come after you, Irene. You, you might really piss <laughs> me up. off. You know, you might, you might hit me with the flat iron once I've in a while. I've done that once, you know, but I don't know. If you guys got a, anyone listening ever has a gut feeling about somebody, follow saying, that. Yeah. Gut, I'm not yeah. saying act like a paranoid basket case like I do, but <laughs> you should always have that in the back of your mind. I always have exit strategies when i go out yeah i live a very normal life but yeah just I'm like aware. have your head on a swivel like look around and just right, be aware right. and be and careful be prepared um live a normal life enjoy but be aware of your surroundings remember like the movie theater thing you would like yeah start panicking i think and- we can have a totally separate podcast about the weird shit that i've been through and the weird things that we've seen but also uh, yeah i mean there have been countless situations and times where people have followed me uh, I've had strange people that I thought were like about to shoot me in front of me. I mean, you almost see life flash before your eyes. And we lived a pretty sheltered life. Yeah. Like, we, yeah. We, didn't, we didn't grow up in like no, on the streets or anything. It's just the world we like, live in. I mean, these things were at like a nice movie theater, you know? Yeah. And like these things, I remember driving in my car with my best friend and these groups of people were following us and like trying to open our car. They would get out of the oh car. Oh my the God. Light, try to open our door to pull us out. But luckily we had the doors locked. I mean, people are truly strange and i think this can hopefully um translate into another podcast for you guys next time or maybe we can talk about personal experiences or i don't know because yeah definitely close to my heart because it's really scary and um it, it is scary to relive it but it hopefully it gives everyone else some insight that this stuff it gives real. me anxiety especially like the part of you just don't know. It could be family. It could be a close friend. They could just snap. Could they could have like a hidden anything. like grudge towards you and you don't even realize. And yeah, right. even worse is a complete stranger. But most of the time, it's someone you know. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And thank you so much to our wonderful producer, Lance. And all of you guys, thank you again so much for listening. And we will hopefully... uh Continue this spooky adventure. Yeah. Continue the spooky adventure. I like that.
All right, grave diggers, remember, stay paranoid or be buried. That's right. I'm going to stay paranoid. <laughs> Once again, thanks for listening, grave diggers. Don't forget to rate and review the Buried Sisters on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to follow us at facebook.com backslash the Buried Sisters and on Instagram at the Buried Sisters. Dig you later. Dig you later.